guardian angels, and patron saints. Pray for us. Well, the last reading of the scriptures of last liturgical year, yesterday, and the first reading of this new liturgical year, today, they touch <clears throat> like the ends of a flat map that represents a globe. Go to the edge of that map and they actually represent points that are, that are connected or adjacent to one another. And so it is in our gospel readings that the end of the liturgical year focuses on the second coming of our Lord, the end of all things. And as we enter into the season of Advent, before we turn to his first coming among us as man, we connect it. We connect it with that, that promise of his arrival when he rends the heavens and comes down to fill the earth with his, with his presence. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the reading yesterday specified some things. Today in our gospel we hear this command to watch, be watchful, not to be sleepy. But Jesus specifies some of the causes of that sleepiness in yesterday's reading. And if I could just elaborate on them a little bit. Three causes of spiritual drowsiness our Lord identifies. <clears throat> Dissipation, drunkenness, and being overcome by cares of the world. Now, if you spent any time with our Focus missionaries, been a part of our Focus Bible studies, or if you spent any time with me, a former Focus missionary, you've probably heard reference to the big three. If you're living as best you can in harmony with God's will on campus as a college student, Chances are you're going to face three main challenges in being faithful to that mission. And those are going to center around uh, the virtues of chastity, sobriety, and excellence. Those are the big three. Those are the things that college students in general oftentimes fail at or struggle to be faithful to. And so, to be faithful to God's mission on campus, we call young men and women to those three virtues, the big three. And I think they, they correspond nicely, though with a little bit of interpretation, to those three causes of drowsiness that our Lord warns us against. First, dissipation. Dissipation, it's easy to see, okay, well, another translation for that is carousing. Obviously, those things blind us, right? When we are caught up in temptations of the flesh, well, obviously, our, our bodies are getting in the way of our souls. I don't think that's a real stretch for any of us to, to make that connection. But our bodies aren't meant to weigh down our souls. Our bodies are meant to serve our souls. Our bodies and our bodily desires, they're not evil. But they do need to be directed. They need to be directed not to the bodies of others, but to those persons that is in their fullness, body and soul. To be chaste, then, is to love another person without using that person or without manipulating that person in some way to get something out of it. To be chaste is oftentimes dismissed as a, as a kind of asexual or elimination of anything bodily from our lives. That's not the case. That's, that's false. It's directing our loves to their proper goal, namely the whole person, rather than simply the body. So, <clears throat> clearly then, to be caught up in the things of the body, and the pleasures of the body, 
would make us drowsy, spiritually speaking. That's a kind of dissipation of our energies. Especially when we dismiss in our conscience those things and say, well, they're not really sins. Those are, that's, that's love. Well, in a less obvious way, though, all of our relationships can be a place where we practice chastity. That may sound a little strange to you at first, so let me explain. To be attentive to another person, to be generous with them or kind, particularly when that person is burdensome to us in some way, irritating, annoying, distasteful. To love that person, to choose to treat them with respect, to act for their good, even when everything in us just wants to put some distance. Well, that, in a sense, is to practice loving not just bodies, but the person. That is, loving not what just is outward, what appears to me, but to focus on that, that person as they're known to God in their inwardness. <clears throat> so this virtue doesn't just apply to the sins of the flesh. It gives us a capacity to become aware of the real value of other people in all sorts of different scenarios, not just our romantic relationships. Along with those sincere attempts to, be, to, to love another person genuinely and chastely, the works of mercy begin to grow. That is a work of mercy. This capacity to love that person without any self-interest, without looking for what's in it for me, without using them for my own advantage, well, it creates room for mercy. And likewise, as I practice those works of mercy, I'm drawn more deeply into the ability to love other people without using them. And so chastity becomes a kind of foundation for charity, of love of neighbor, and ultimately of love of God. It doesn't exclude our bodies. It doesn't turn us into pure spirits. It orders our bodies towards our souls and puts them at their service, whether that is in a vocation to marriage or as a celibate. Wherever we may be, we can cultivate these things and grow. Grow in our ability to stay awake. The second cause of drowsiness uh, our Lord identifies as drunkenness. Here again, very obvious and straightforward way to interpret this. Being excessive in our use of the good things, of the fruits of the vine, and uh, other forms of intoxication, um, obviously, can undermine our ability to recognize God's presence in our lives. Right? Using those things to excess, using them in a disordered way. These things, alcohol and other drugs, can desensitize us to reality. And I think if we pay attention to the dysfunctional ways that these things are often abused, it's connected to a desire to escape from something that I find unbearable in my life. I'm trying to, I'm trying to forget about something or, or ignore something or just step away from something for a little while that I, I find unbearable. Like the, 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 the joke about the man who asks the town drunk, why, why is it that he drinks so much as they, they sit there and share a couple of um, drinks at the bar? And the drunk responds, well, I, I drink because I'm ashamed. Well, what is it exactly that you're ashamed of? Well, I'm ashamed of how much I drink. A group of us here at the Day Center, we've given up alcohol for um, a kind of period of mortification, say purification, since the 1st of October 
we've only had alcohol on Sundays and feast days, which we fully take advantage of. But that practice has been eye-opening for me, personally, to say the least. Uh, I guess pun intended. I find myself, at the end of the day, I, I'm not habitually drinking to excess, by, by, by no means. I'm, I'm not, that's not a problem for me. But at the end of the day, it's nice to have a cocktail, have a beer, kind of unwind, ease into the evening. And, you know, doing that in a social situation or having a conversation, catching up, having a conversation over the phone, whatever it might be, I found that setting that aside, as legitimate as that is, setting that aside helped me pay attention to what was actually going on. Oftentimes, at the end of the day, there's, there's residual things that are just hanging around, disappointments, frustrations, aches, just achy things that, that don't feel good, that are very easily dismissed by just saying, all right, another day's done. But I found without that alcohol, or just turning to that little comfort or consolation, I was able to focus on those things, be aware of them, and pray through them. This is actually happening. Oh, there is a disappointment there. Why don't I bring that to the Lord? There was a frustration, or even something good that I would like to be able to rejoice over or invite God into. Whatever that, whatever that may be, I just found that it changed a lot of things for me that helped me be more wakeful, attentive to the grace of God. But resisting the drowsy drunkenness that Jesus warns us against in the gospel, this goes much deeper, I think. It can go much deeper than just avoiding certain substances. It means paying attention to the difficulties and the sufferings in my life so as to discern the hidden sweetness that they contain. This is the virtue of sobriety, to pay attention to the difficulties and sufferings of my life, to be willing to bear with them in order to learn what hidden sweetness they contain. In other words, there's an easy way and a hard way to deal with our problems, large and small. One of those ways, the easy way, is, you could say, pharmacological. The other way is spiritual. The virtue of sobriety means habitually choosing to deal with them spiritually, relationally. This sobriety is foundational to the virtue and the gift of perseverance, endurance, what St. Paul refers to in the second reading tonight. May God keep you firm to the end. How common it is to see this tendency in ourselves and in others to discard situations and the hidden sweetness that they contain because we find them unbearable. Some, some task or job, a class, a relationship, a resolution, some, some discipline, a promise, or a vocation because it no longer pleases us or we find it unbearable. We've given up on the possibility, the hope of that grace that's wrapped in this distressing disguise. This is what our Holy Father, Pope Francis, has referred to as the throwaway culture. It's a culture that discards not just things, but even persons, because they've lost the will to persevere in order to discover that hidden sweetness in the midst of life's difficulties, the crosses that we bear. 
So I must be sober in order to recognize that something waits for me there, that there's a discovery possible in that thing that I wish would just go away, that I could get rid of and move on. But I bear with it in hope that in God's time, I discover the nature of that, that sweetness. The third cause of drowsiness our Lord identifies is the anxiety over cares of this life. We all have a lot of things to stay on top of, don't we? A lot of responsibilities. And there's nothing wrong with those things. There's nothing wrong with being accountable, carrying out our duties well, doing what needs to be done. In fact, that can be a source of great growth in us. Learning what it means to, to commit to something, to follow through with it, to be able to know our real capacities and even to say no to good things that are beyond those capacities. To follow through with our decisions and have a mature understanding of ourselves and our, our powers and how to use them. And in all those things, try to overcome that, that inherent tendency towards mediocrity that we, that we have. This is what it means to strive for the virtue of excellence. That third of the big three. All too easily, however, as we make those sincere resolutions, we are in danger of being diverted from giving our attention and serving what is truly essential in our lives. Because to be excellent, we must calibrate our lives to what is essential, to what is necessary, without which our lives lack their ultimate meaning. As a priest, you'd think I would be immune to that tension. Here I am, full-time, in the service of God's kingdom, right? But I can drown that mission just as easily as anyone else in the trivialities of, of daily life. Re responding to emails, working on office tasks, uploading or upgrading software on computers, dealing with all the myriad little details of running even just a small campus center like this one. Well, all of those tasks, they're forgotten almost as soon as they're completed. And many times they distract me or they prevent me from engaging with the real substance of my, of my life as a priest. Life of prayer, of uh, relationship, of preaching the gospel and sanctifying his people through the sacraments. So if that's the case for a priest, how much more so for a student or a layperson engaged in the world? How do we calibrate our lives not to miss what's essential here? It's a crucial question because when we stand before our Savior in the burning light of his love, we don't want to have the feeling like I missed it. I missed, I, I missed this obvious thing that I should have been able to, to grasp, but I didn't, and so it's too late. We don't want to discover that We've been building all along, but we've not been building with gold or precious stones, but with straw. And it's all up in smoke. Like Matthew Kelly says, if you've ever heard Matthew Kelly speak, the great um, popularizer of, of our Catholic faith, a great giver of uh, mission talks and, and motivation, with reference to the study of Scripture, he asks, How on earth are you going to be able to explain to him that you didn't have time to read his book. Pretty good? Does that pass? Okay. <laughs> the cares of life choke out the good seed. 
overcome by thorns and briars. And if I could just relate a, a, a story about that very thing in my own life recently that I experienced, a mistake that I made focusing on what was inessential. It's still a little difficult for me to talk about because I'm still so frustrated with myself. But um, as you may be aware, maybe not, uh, right now it's rifle season for deer hunting in the state of Kansas. And on Thursday morning I had some time to go out. I've not had a chance to uh, bag a deer this year. So I went out on Thursday morning, canceled my my obligations that morning. And because my hunting equipment had been stolen from one of the spots where I normally hunt, I had to go to a much further spot. My dad hunts up near Ottawa. And he said I could go hunt there. So the night before, I loaded up all my equipment in my truck and got my snacks ready, you know, because it was going to be a long day. I didn't need food. Um, got the coffee machine all ready. Went to bed. I woke up at like 4 a.m., and in this stupor, you know, half awake, I load up my things. You have to be very careful about your scents. You gotta take a shower with a special scent removing soap. And you got your clothes in a particular bin where you don't contaminate them with the smell of your house. So you get all dressed and get ready to go. And I loaded up my things and I got my snacks and I got my clothes in the truck and everything's ready to go. And I drive off and I'm on my way, praying in the truck, you know, listening to some music, listening to some podcasts. And about an hour down the road, I notice there's a car next to me that's, you know, when they're trying to get your attention, they're up next to you, kind of pulling up and back and up and back. And I look over, kind of annoyed, but they're pointing to the back of my vehicle. And I pull over because apparently I've, I've got something wrong in the bed of my truck. And I go around to the back after I pull off there on the exit for 59 Highway in Ottawa. And I see that the tailgate of my truck is down has been for the last hour, and my gear is gone. In a rage, I zoom back, it's now 5 a.m., I zoom back to Emporia, retrace my whole trip all the way to Ottawa, scanning the side of the road, trying to find the bin of clothes that have fallen out, nowhere to be found, and drive back home after spending four hours in the car, not a single moment, hunting deer, and now my season's over because I've lost all of my camouflage, my license, my tags, it's all gone. That, my friends, is a little taste of hell. <laughs> because that feeling of just self-loathing, you idiot, you got everything except the thing that would actually allow you to make sure you got to your destination with what you needed. <clears throat> And even though it was a small thing, it was essential. And I missed it. That's a good image. I have a very vivid memory now of what that feeling would be like to be judged in that way and shown. Do you not see? Do you not see? So maybe chastity and sobriety and excellence, they're not just for college students. They're not just for our college years. Maybe they're habits that we're going to begin to build and strive for now that will serve us for the whole of life. At the very least, they will do you a great service in preparation for our celebration of our Lord's birth here at the conclusion of our season of Advent. So before you leave Mass today, maybe there's a way that I, 
as you've been considering what I've suggested to you tonight, there's a way that you can follow through with that call to be awake, to avoid that drowsiness which blinds us, which prevents us from recognizing the Lord's presence in these three areas of chastity, sobriety, or excellence. And I suggest that before you leave tonight, you have some idea of how I can grow in one of these areas, even if it's just one, not necessarily even all three. Make that resolution. No, this is, this is what I'm being invited to. This is how the Lord is challenging me, challenging me to grow in my ability to love persons rather than just bodies, and my capacity to bear with the difficulties and crosses in my life that I can't avoid so as to discover some hidden sweetness there. And finally, to be attentive to what is truly essential here in this holy season, so that all of us, in our chastity, in our sobriety, in our excellence, may keep watch. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.